0: Ron, I have to tell you that um, on September, when we pass those out at the county fair, our kids actually come to Sunday school and look for those Bibles. Well, some of you heard that, and you were impressed by God that you want to participate in that. So, men, if you want to meet with Ron afterwards, he'll be standing right here. Okay. But if you say, hey, I want to be a part of that, and God lays it on your heart, then we're going to prepare to receive a second offering um, for the Gideons International. Okay, so you can make your checks out to Gideons International okay? And the ushers will be receiving the offering. Um, We have a young man sitting here who's going to come up, and um, we're doing something really cool at this church, and that is we're investing in the next generation. And we're not just investing in them by um, having the classes over there, but we're investing in them by allowing them to use their gifts up here. So would you allow Zachary Deschamps as he comes and speaks with you? God is always looking for those who will serve him wholeheartedly. It's easy to slip into a different role than that of a servant. I'm going to be learning that going over and beyond the role of a servant is what separates God's servants and the world's servants. The true test of my heart as a servant is how I respond when I am treated like one. Please welcome my friend, Pastor Sheldon Laxina. <laughs>
1: Thanks so much, Zach. You did a good job. Hey, we need to pray over the offering. Hang on, hang on, ushers. That's, that's my fault on that. We should have prayed over the offering first. So let's... But give the ushers a wonderful hand. They're on it. They're on it. Thank you, Zach. I appreciate that. But let's, let's pray over the offering so God's hand can be on it. Thank you. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to give and we appreciate everything that the Gideons do. And it is true. It's your word that changes our life. And we can only give so much... But you can take what we give and multiply it to touch lives for all of eternity. And so as we give to you, let it go to a person's life. And one day when we see them in heaven, we'll be able to rejoice together according to your will and your amazing glory. your precious name we pray, amen. Okay, ushers, go ahead. Thank you for once again serving our ushers. And tonight, that's what we're going to be talking about, the role of a servant. And it can seem like it's a simple thing to talk about. But when I ask you, if I were to ask you, think about what a servant is, what comes to your mind? If you think about servant, that word servant, what comes to your mind? Because there's many things that we can think about as far as a servant goes. You can think from uh, the things that they'll do for you, or slave work, or, you know, kids, they're your servants. Uh, As wives, you might think of your husbands, that they're your servants, you know, and and we can come up with all kinds of answers. Well, in the book of Mark, Jesus outlines a little bit for us what he calls a servant. And if you have your notes, you can open up, and that's going to be our first scripture. And I want us to just use this as our foundation for tonight as we continue on. In Mark 9.35, and this is Jesus he sits down with his disciples and he calls the twelve and and said to them, he says this, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Now, once again, it can seem like a servant is somebody who is just tossed on the side or somebody who, well, nobody's going to really think about. Or you can just, you know, uh, run over a servant, you know, step all over them, and you can have your, uh, have, have your rules that would put them in their place. You can tell them what to do, and, and that's what a servant is. But when Christ gave us this description, it's more than just a position. We were at, um, I forget what hotel we were at, but we were uh, outside by the pool area, Heidi and my two boys, and we ordered for my two boys, they ordered, or actually it was my son and his friend, they ordered uh, smoothies. And so they had two smoothies. So by the time we got there to meet them, uh, we were thinking, hey, we want to have some smoothies too. And we asked them, well, what did you get? They said, oh, this is, uh, it's uh, pina colada. I said, oh, well, I'll get the same thing. So when the, Server, uh, the, I guess we'll call them a waitress or a servant woman, uh, came by. We said, Oh, can we have uh, two pina coladas and some onion rings? And she said, Got it. Well, she brought it back, and I think they got it wrong because it looked like mocha, you know, like, like coffee, like a coffee kind of thing. And I was thinking, Oh, man, it looks a little different. But maybe there's, there's my, my son's and his friends' one melted. That's why it's white. So I, I took a, you know, a little sip of it, and it was bitter. And I was thinking, it tastes a little bit like coffee. And so I, I said, Heidi, taste this. It tastes like coffee. And so she tasted it, and she goes, mm, yeah, it doesn't taste good. And then my son Jordan came up, and he said, what did you guys get? And I said, I, we got a pina colada. He said, how come it's brown? And I said, I don't know. Why, was yours brown? He says, no. I said, how come our glasses are smaller? Did we get the same size? He said, I don't know. And so she came back, and, and, uh, and we knew this person. She's a really good friend. And, and we said, oh, um, is there coffee in this one? She goes, no. Um, I said, we ordered the pina colada like there's one. She goes, no. And I said, um, does this have liquor in it? And she goes, oh, you didn't want liquor in it? I said, oh, no. Heidi said, well, let me try. Let me see. Yeah, I think it's good. She didn't do that. She drank it all. No, she didn't do that. (laughs) And, and, And she goes, and she knows I'm a pastor. She goes, I'm so sorry, pastor. I'm like, we're going to take communion then. What are we doing? But she said, she said, I'm so sorry. And she apologized. And I said, wasn't your fault because I actually said pina colada and I should have said the virgin pina colada and, you know, the whole deal. She came back, gave us brand new drinks, said the onion rings was on us and, and she treated us so well. And I thought, that's what a servant does. Not hand out hearts and liquors, but a servant, <laughs> a servant has that kind of heart attitude. Like they, they make no... They don't hesitate when they apologize. It's like they have some kind of of joy about them that even in their mistakes, they can still keep going. And when Jesus talks about the role of a servant, he gives us just an idea, just a little idea of what it means to be a servant. And he says the first shall be last. In other words, he's saying, okay, if you want to be a servant, it's not high up here on the mountaintop. It's not here where, where, where you're going to be. The servant is here at the base. And he says, a servant is not first. It's not up here. A servant is last. That's, that's where the servants are. They're not the ones striving for, for position. They're the ones serving in that position. So regardless of wherever we are, the servant is that person who is like a waiter, somebody who waits on people, someone who serves food and drink. You know, like when you go to the restaurants, like if they're not very, uh, if you're not, you know, uh, in a good mood and you start demanding things, and and sometimes they just have to eat it up. Then they go in the back and sometimes they're frustrated, but they come back out, oh, I'm so sorry, here you go, and then they'll serve you well. That's a good servant because they're doing a very good job at serving you and making you feel like you're the most important person in the world. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 20. It is, it's in the New Testament, the first book. In Matthew chapter 20, I'll read from verse 1 through 16, and once again, Jesus is giving us another, another way to, to understand the role of a servant. Matthew chapter 20. Now read from verse 1 through 16. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. You might have the, the Message Bible or the New Living Translation, the NIV, which is the New International Version. Or you might have um, the Jesus book, you know, it's all pigeon. So. But it all means the same thing. <clears throat> so in verse 1, in chapter 20 of the book of Matthew, it says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. So let's picture land, okay? Just, just picture land. Who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard? So now he has a vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent which was like a a day's wage, uh, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went about the third hour, which is about eight to nine o'clock, so it's early in the morning, and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went again. He went out about the 6th hour. Now this is about between 1 and 2 o'clock. And then the ninth hour, which is between 4 and 5. And did likewise. And about the 11th hour, now this is like Pawhana time, 7 to 8 p.m. This is, this is closing time. He went out and found others standing idle. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said to him, because no one hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, you will receive. So an evening had come. The owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages. In other words, it's payday time, beginning with the last to the first. And when those who came were hired about the 11th hour, they each received a denarius. So let's just say they got 100 bucks, and they only worked one hour. Now, if you came first and you saw them get paid $100, what are you thinking? I'm going to roll in some bucks. I'm going to get paid today. So he's thinking, okay, they got $100. But when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more. Makes sense, right? We worked more. And they likewise each received a denarius. So they all got paid the same. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner saying, well, these men have worked only one hour and you make them equal to us who have borne the burden of the heat of the day? But he answered one of them and said, friend, I am am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give this last man the same as you. So he wasn't ripping off the first guy. He was being very generous to the last guy. And then he said, or is your eye evil because I am good? Then he says it again. So the last will be first and the first last for many are called but few chosen. You know what is interesting is is Jesus will give us an everyday life situation and show us exactly what's going on in our hearts because how many of us will serve even in church and we will do so many things in church and in the beginning, it's like the greatest thing in the world. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Well, easy. I can sweep that. I can mop that. I can open. I can break down. I can set up chairs. I can sweep. I can mop. I can cook clean. I can wash dishes. I can go outside in the parking lot. Yeah, I can serve with the kids, the children, nursery, everything. I'll even clean dirty diapers. But then after a year goes by, then it starts to become, our hearts start to become hardened if we're not careful. Or someone else might come along that's been serving for ten years and they already have a hard heart. And then they'll say, Oh, so you've been serving? Yeah, I've been serving for a month. Oh, it's the greatest thing in the world. Oh wait, after ten years. Wait. You can see all the junk. You can see all the junk. You know the pastor, you're not like that, you're not like that. And then now you start to get a different eye. Now we start to have an evil eye because he is good. And it's almost like we forget how good God is, and now we're focusing only on the task at hand or what we're doing, and we forget that God is good to every single person. You get treated unfairly. Like we just, we just uh, change something, and, and I know we could have done a better job, and it, was, it took us months to figure this out. And we got together, and we said, okay, we got to do a better job at this. This is, this is very important, and uh, we got to think these things through. And so we made a decision, and then we implemented it. And boy, was it a difficult thing to do. You would think it's easy. But when we changed giving out foil during Wednesday night dinners, oh my goodness, so much confusion. We actually had to bring up food on stage to show what that meant. And what was actually happening is that the purpose for our Wednesday night dinner was for you who come from work or or you have a difficult time getting your kids ready and cooking dinner and all of that because you want to hear the word of God. And so we serve Wednesday night dinners. You will not find a finer dinner in Eugene's restaurant for $2 than in all of the, the world. That's what I'm talking about. And so we actually had to think through because you would come to church trying to get everything ready straight from work. Some of you, you had never even bathed, but you put on cologne or perfume. That's fine. And then, but you couldn't cook dinner. And then you come up here, but there's no more food. It's like you have to starve. Or you have to drive down and go pick up food and come back up. And we're missing the purpose. And what was actually happening, and it wasn't a bad thing. It just people found out. That you could buy a wonderful meal for $2 and a dollar for a cakey plate. So you could feed your family for like 10 bucks. You can't even feed yourself for 10 bucks. So now what people were doing was buying 20 or 10 or 8 or 5. I think they're selling it like somewhere out there, like, you know, (laughs) 5 bucks on plate. Well, I don't know. But that's what was happening, and we were running out of food. And let me tell you, it is a difficult thing to decide, a difficult decision. But we had to think to the purpose of why we had our Wednesday night dinners. And so that was the heart behind it. But just that change, boy, it, it started to rattle some hearts. And it's interesting that when we get on focus of God is good, then we develop an evil eye. We get to eat dinner for $2.00. That's because God provides. And you know how he does it? Through you. That's how he does it. When we all work together, we're able to feed families for $2. You see, that's the role of a servant. It comes back to the heart of God. Why he does what he does. That's what it means to go over and beyond. It's not just a dinner. The hope is that people would come to know Christ. That's what it boils all down to. And when Christ was giving that illustration, what he was saying is you you can focus on one thing, which really is not eternal, or you can focus on that which is eternal. And that's my kingdom of the role of a servant. See, the role of a servant, we've been given many responsibilities. And the best way I can really explain it is... The more I serve, the more responsibilities I'll have. I'll just put like this because you know what that word is. Th- then I'll, g- I'll have more responsibilities. That's what happens. But at the same time, while I'm serving, now I, I have less Rights. Like, remember before we came to know Christ, how, 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 how loose we were? Like, we could just get away with anything. I mean, we could, we could, we could uh, be loose with our language, our thought life, the way we treated each other. You know, like when a new person comes to church and their language is not, you know, it's very colorful, and they have all kinds of, you know, verbs. <laughs> it's, it's very easy to forgive. Because they're brand new. It's, it's like... They have, we, we give so much grace, and God gives us so much grace. But the more we serve the Lord, it's like the less rights we have. Or in other words, the more we give up. The more we release to God, the more we say, you know what, that's not me anymore. The more close, the, the closer we get to God, it's like the more of our flesh gets taken off of us. Then we start to treat each other better. Then we start to love one another how Christ would love one another. And we begin to be Christ to people, but we can actually flip this around, and then we forget the role of a servant. And then we say, "Wait a minute! I should have rights! I should have rights! You know how much I do at this church! I should have rights!" Why don't can get discount at buck a Meal? It's a dollar. But it's like our hearts develop that, and then we think we need more rights, and then we want less responsibility. Then we'll just start watching people. That's all we'll do is just watch people. And the ones that are serving, it's like we just point fingers, and then we complain about that person, that person, that person, and then we, we want more rights. And the Lord is saying, you got it actually backwards, because if you ever want to be great in my kingdom, you need to be Last. I like how Jesus puts it, and in order for us to be effective as the church, we must remember the role of a servant. All of us can learn the role of a servant according to the life of Christ, because if we model his life, we'll see exactly what it means to be a servant. And as we go through these couple, a couple of things tonight, these are some biblical mandates that God gives to us as a role of a servant. One of the first things he tells us, and you can write this in your first point, is to stay humble. Stay humble. You know, what? one of the best things to do in keeping that heart and the role of a servant, or even staying humble, is surrounding yourself with people that will humble you. Not people that will disrespect you or humiliate you for the sake of making them look better. But people who will keep you level, like they'll keep you level at the, at the base of that mountain. They'll just keep you level. Or in other words, pop your head once in a while when you get big-headed. Yeah, I get plenty of those people around me, let me tell you. Uh, open, uh, turn to Matthew chapter 23, and we're going to give another story uh, that Jesus once again uh, gives to us so that we can understand even more clearly Because now he's talking about religious leaders. Now he's addressing those that have a relationship or supposedly have a relationship with God or those who should know better. Those who've been doing this for years. Those who've been serving God for decades. Those who understand scripture. Those who know the word of God. Or in other words, people like us who attend church or serve in a ministry somewhere or even lead. So in chapter 23 of the book of Matthew, I'll start from verse 1, and I'll read to about uh, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you, observe. That's what he says. Just observe. "That, That observe and do, but do not do according to their works. For they say and do not do; for they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works, they do to be seen by men. Oh, but all their works, they do to be seen by men. They make their flactories, which were like small little boxes on their heads or on their arms, remember in the book of Deuteronomy or Exodus, when, when God said, because I led you out of Egypt, you shall bind them on your foreheads or on your arms, so that it will be a reminder of what God has done, so they make those things extra large, like I'm more holier than you, because I have a bigger box to hold my scriptures, almost like Bibles, sometimes we want bigger Bibles, but that's not really the issue, uh, Uh, and enlarge the borders of their garments. Again, in the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy, he talked about when you have tassels on, well, they had the robes, and they would have tassels on the four corners of their robes. They made it like extra good. In other words, they would make it look really fashioned out so they would stand out. I don't know if they bedazzled it or what, but it, it was just, I don't know, it was just different. They love the best places at feasts, the best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But you do not be called Rabbi. For one, talking about the Lord himself, one is your teacher, the Christ. And you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And this is what he gets to. And this is in your notes. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And what Christ was saying is, he wasn't talking about the, just the word teacher. He was talking about when you receive that as an, as an accolade, as something that is a positional thing like, hey, yeah, I am the teacher, or I am that person, or I am the overseer, or I am the leader. Oh, that is me. That is me. And what he's saying is don't, don't receive that. They're going to give you that title, but you don't have to live with that title on you. You live with the role of a servant on you as a teacher came back to the heart behind it and Christ was saying if that gets to you, don't even let them call you that. It'll help you. What he's not saying is because they call you that you're exalting yourself. Listen, people will put you on a pedestal but you don't have to stay there. Even Jesus himself understood that. He was on the throne and he came down off of his throne so that he could die for us. He knows very well what it means to be a servant, a humble servant. And when the Bible says that he who humbles himself will be exalted, it's that person who is is absent of arrogance, someone who is lowly in, in heart, or it means to make low or to bring low. And this, you have to do on purpose. It's not gonna happen by mistake. When he says, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted it 's not an automatic thing that happens it 's something that we must choose to do, and we have to do it on purpose. I remember when I first received my pastor 's license, I was just overjoyed and, and we had a conference on oahu and one of my friends were there, and we were kind of growing in the ministry together, but I was here, and he was on, on the other island and and, but when I saw him, I wanted to tell him I had my pastor's license, but I didn't know how to. You know, you don't want to come across arrogant. And so I'm thinking, how am I going to tell him I have my pastoral license? He needs to know. I want him to know. And so I saw him, and we're talking a little bit, and I said, hey, how are you doing? He said, good, good. I said, so what you been up to? And I'm thinking, that will be the question, because normally when you ask someone, hey, how are you doing? They're going to say, hey, how are you doing? But if I ask him, hey, what have you been up to? He's going to tell me, then he's going to say, so what have you been up to? And it worked. It did. I said, so what have you been up to? Oh, I serve in the men's ministry and things like that, so what you up to? I was like, ah, you know, just serving. Oh, and I, I just got my pastor's license. Really? I said, yeah, it's not, you know, not whatever, you know, if the Lord, if the Lord wills, you know, small thing. It's like, really? Yeah, get him in my pocket right now. He likes to... But yeah, I laminate them, I laminate them. Actually, I just don't copy. I never like ruined the real one. So. And I, I remember telling him that, and, and he was congratulating me. He prayed for me, and, and, and when I left, oh, boy, I, I felt destroyed on the inside. And I remember walking away, and I said, Lord, I blew it. I blew it. And he said, no, 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 you didn't. And I said, I, 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 I wanted him to know that I'm a pastor now. He says, well, you can make it right. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, go back and tell him sorry. I said, well, well you're not going to know what I'm talking about. And he said, no, it's, it's, not, it's not for him. It's for you. And I remember going back to my room. We were at a hotel, and I'm at my room pacing back and forth. Have you ever done this? Okay, Lord, if it's you, then just speak to me. <laughs> and I would read, and to him, they said, Caesar, and you, what? That's, okay, that's not you, then. Okay, Lord, if it's you, not you, okay, Lord, if it's you. In the beginning, there was the word of God, and man, and I remember pacing back and forth, and it's like the Lord said, I already spoke to you. So I went back, and I, 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 I found him in the lobby, and I said, hey, can, can we talk real quick? He said, yeah. And I said, you know, I, um, I, I only asked you how you were doing, not because I cared about you, but I asked you how you were doing because I only cared about me and me wanting to tell you I got my pastor's license, and I just want to repent to you and and ask you for forgiveness because I didn't care about you. And he looked at me, and he said, it's okay. I mean, you're fine. And I said, so I'm I'm sorry that I I did it like that. He said, you're fine. You're forgiven because we're good friends. He said, you're fine. And I said, thank you. And then he grabbed me by the shoulder, and he said, and, and, and I never forget this. He said, hey, at least you caught it. And he said this, not many do. I was like, Lord. I... Now, again, I'm not saying that, so I'm exalting myself. I'm going lower now. I'm not exalting myself. <laughs> what I am saying is when the Lord speaks something like that, boy, obey. Obey, because it's in that where he gives us that servant heart back when we lose it. Think about it. When we humble ourselves God can just restore us just like that. But he asks us to be a part of it. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle. And you will find rest for your souls. Have you ever come to a, a place in life where you thought, you know, I would... I, I feel like I'm stagnant, like I'm not growing anymore. I, I, I've come to a place where I, I, I'm involved in, in serving. I, I go to Bible studies or I'm in a care group, a small group. I'm in a ministry or, or, or whatever it may be. I do devotions, but it's like I'm stagnant. Like I don't feel like I'm growing spiritually. I remember being at that place and I said, Lord, what is it? I, I just, I don't feel like I'm growing. Like I want more. I want to, and I, I said this, Lord, I would just want to grow deeper with you. How can I grow deeper with you? And so I would watch videos and DVDs of and, uh, uh, various speakers and try to read books, and, and still, I would go to prayer meetings and, and, and worship things. I, I would do all these things, even conferences, and, and I, I would want to get deeper with the Lord. And after a while, it's like I was just chasing things. And then when I read that scripture, to take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle, and you will find rest to your soul. Uh, for your souls, this is what I've learned. To go deeper means to go lower. That's what I learn, and am still learning, because we never arrive. If I ever want to go deeper in the Lord, I gotta go lower and lower as a servant. Now that's in heart. That's what Christ is addressing. He's saying, put aside the arrogance. Put aside the complaining. Put that all aside. Because you can't you can't get any higher than that of a servant. And when he when he addresses that he's gentle and that he's humble, I thought, well, how do I do that then? Because I don't see you. Like you're not here walking with me. Like if I was with you back then, then I could actually watch your life and see every move and learn from you. I said, but I I, I can't. And then he took me back to the scripture. Let me teach you because, and and you want to underline this or circle it, I am humble and gentle. Or in other words, when you see someone who's humble and and gentle, that's me. So if you want to learn from Christ what it means to be humble and gentle, find someone who's humble and gentle and learn from them. Because he is humble and gentle. That's who he is. Now, you don't have to stalk them, you know, video them and, you know, like hang out with you all day. It's, it's you're just watching their lifestyle. That's how kids are. Kids aren't like that. And I ask myself, where is the best place to humble myself? Where is the best place that I can serve and apply the role of a servant? Number 2, serve at home. Serve at home. Did you know that our home or our family is the launch pad for servanthood? That's where it is. It's all behind the scenes. 1 Timothy 3, 5, it says, For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? If he cannot care for, if he cannot give attention to his own household, how will he ever be a servant of the Lord? How can he do that? See, the role of a servant is measured behind the scenes. That's where it's measured. I remember uh, when we were serving in the youth ministry, and, and I would just help, you know, whatever I needed to do. But we had our kickoff. And I think we had it in here, and it was like the greatest thing in the world to be in the sanctuary. But the way we had it, you know, with youth, it's all dark, and you have all these lights shooting all over the place. And they asked me to be a part of it, and I thought, yeah. And then I started thinking, hey, I wonder if they're going to ask me to do like a skit, maybe they're, or, or maybe, maybe part of the worship. Or what if they ask me to do something like, I don't know, maybe the announcements for the youth or, or something like that. What if they ask me to speak? I've never done that. I better start practicing. So I'm thinking of all this, and then I get the word that, that, oh, we need your help to do the spotlight. And I said, the what? They said, you know, the spotlight, because it's going to be dark, so we need somebody to run the spotlight. I said, the spotlight? I just turned on all the lights. Well, we need a spotlight. And they said, no, because it's going to be kind of dark. And I said, oh, okay, sure, no problem. And I remember being upstairs and being by the spotlight, and it was hot because it was huge. And it would short every now and then. And I'm like, what in the world? So I would be standing by this thing. And I remember grumbling. And thinking to myself, look at all them having fun. I'm stuck up here with the cobwebs, with the spotlight. I should be down there with the youth, with them, because I love you, Lord. And I, I remember saying these things. And then this is, I, this is what the Lord taught me. And I actually wrote this down because I kept it with me. He said, those who are unwilling to run the spotlight are not matured enough to be in it. Oh, oh no, that's how I felt right there. That exactly. How, yeah, I felt like I got lickings. And Matthew six one says, "Take care, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired, because then you will lose the reward from your father in heaven." And I thought, then the best place. We learn the role of a servant is when nobody's looking. That's the best place. I don't, I don't need to have somebody observe what I'm doing for the Lord. I can do it behind the scenes. I can do it at home. And I thought, you know, the best place is behind the scenes to learn the role of a servant and to apply everything that God teaches us. Because if we're behind the scenes and nobody's watching, catch this. Now, I don't know if this is a hidden motive, but it works. If you're serving the Lord behind the scenes and nobody's looking and you make a mistake, nobody knows. (laughs) You can correct it with you and the Lord. Before I get up here on stage or sing, I got to practice at home. And I make plenty of mistakes at home and on stage. So it really doesn't matter. But the more you make them at home, the more you can get corrected in private or else God will correct you in public. And I said, Lord, I, I please correct me in private. See, when Jesus gives us the role of a servant, it makes sense why he did what he did and how he did what he did. It comes back to him. The last thing, and this is the greatest thing to do, is to follow Jesus' example. Follow Jesus' example. I'll read in the book of Philippians, and you can turn there if you need to. But the book of Philippians, chapter 2. And I, I like this because it really brings, it really hits home. Philippians 2, verse 5. And it says, Let this mind. Be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And here's the mind he wants us to have. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even The death on the cross. That's our greatest example. It's in Christ Jesus. He didn't use his authority and position for notoriety and a kind of like look at me attitude. He said, no, no, no. I'm using my authority for you. That's why he addressed it in Matthew 20, verse 25. Jesus once again calls them to himself and he says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them talking about their authority, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know how you can test your maturity or your spiritual maturity in the role of a servant? See how you respond when you're treated like one. That will give you like a measurement of where we are spiritually, the role of a servant. We had our spruce up day a couple years ago, and I think Pastor Aaron, he was overseeing it at that time, and he was... uh, you know, uh, he was, I think he was new on staff but he, I think he was here maybe for a little while but, but he was giving out job responsibilities and as he was giving out job responsibilities uh, he gave me the responsibilities of picking up all the rotten uh, tangerines under the tangerine trees and I thought we must be good friends <laughs> he gave me the job that he knows I hate and so he said, yeah, you can, you can take care of all of that. I said, shoot, let's go. He said, you can do them. I'm going to be doing other things. I said, oh, okay. So I was all by myself with gloves. And so I'm picking up all of these rotten tangerines, fruit flies and everything. I mean, had, I mean mildew, moss, you name it, it was there. It was pretty bad. So I'm picking all these things up and, and, and same thing. Then I start thinking, I should just ask him i like to do something else. And I thought, no, 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 be- because, and this is what's going on in my mind, while I'm picking up all these things, just being real, that's all. Uh, I said, no, because if, if, I, if I don't, then, then it doesn't show that I'm a servant. And if I ask him if I can do something else because I cannot handle that, then it's like, well, he cannot handle picking up fruits. Nah, I'm not going to tell Pastor Aaron that, no, because then he's going to tease me, I don't can handle it. So I'm going through this, picking these things up. Then he checks up on me and says, hey, everything good? I said, yeah, yeah everything good. Easy this, <laughs> No problem. It's only rotten fruits. Shoveling all these things. And I'm continuously doing that. I can talk about Pastor Aaron. He's not here. He's on vacation. So I'm fine. <laughs> and so I'm doing all these things. And I, then, I, then I thought, you know what? Maybe I, should, maybe I should just go ask him. Because this is getting ridiculous already. And I just let it go. Let it go. And that's when the Lord said, You will know your maturity and your spiritual growth as a servant when you're treated like one. And not that he was treating me like one, I just felt why am I doing this? But praise God, Pastor Aaron gives me the you know the water thing. Now I'm all good to go, and I'm good to go. And I thought, Lord, if you if you correct me when I'm with no one, and you can teach me what it means to be a servant. Then I'm going to have to suffer because you suffered, and if I'm ever going to understand the role of a servant, and if we're ever going to grow spiritually or go deeper, you can't grow any deeper than that of a servant. And whenever you come to that place, whether it would be arrogance or whatever it would be, or you may not even notice it. In fact, we put some questions in the back of your uh, bulletin. Those are some good questions. I dare you to do number three. Yeah, read it right now. I'll give you some time. just want to see your reaction. That's a tough one, but that's okay. It'll be good in in, in the long run, hopefully. You might leave church, but it's a good one. Hebrews 5, 7, and 8. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, He offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was the son, let's read this together. Ready? Go. He learned obedience from what he suffered. The role of a servant comes with much suffering. But that's okay. Because if he suffered for us, we have no problem, absolutely none whatsoever, to suffer for him much less than he did for us, for him. Amen? Close your Bibles and put away your notes. Let's pray together because um, if you're here with your spouse or family, we're going to need prayer because they're going to challenge us after this. And that's okay. That's okay. Okay. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for giving us your life as an example of what it means to be a servant. And we're all learning together. We, we all grow and, and we all come across times where we're not doing well or, or maybe arrogance pops up or, or pride sneaks in. But nonetheless, you've given us an opportunity to be servants to each other. And as the church and as the body of Christ, to serve others. So as we leave here tonight, Lord, may we not leave the same. May we not leave with the same way of thinking, but we will have the same mind that you have, that even though you were the Son of God, you humbled yourself, even to the point of death, even death on the cross. Thank you for being our God. No longer do you call us servants, but you actually call us friends, because we now know what you do. In your precious name we pray. We all said, Amen. Let's applaud the Lord because He deserves it. Let's stand tonight. I know we're a little over time, but if you need to be dismissed to pick up your kids because of...